Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm honored to welcome to the program the founder of the Christian Action Network, Martin Moyer. He's a journalist, a correspondent, formerly with Moody Monthly Magazine. He was editor-in-chief of the Moral Majority Report. He's written four books, directed three documentaries. Thank you for joining me, Martin. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Clay. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Well, I want to ask you today about your recent article on your substack called Majority Report. The article is called Identifying as a Christian Could Get You Fired, Jailed, or Fined. But first, Martin, I wanted to ask if you would tell us how you started the Christian Action Network and what your mission is. Well, I started it back in 1990, and I did it because I was the editor of Dr. Jerry Falwell's Moral Majority Report, and then Dr. Falwell decided to shut the organization down. I was still very interested in these issues, and so I took some learning lessons about how to start a nonprofit organization and raise money for it. And after learning that process, I began the now three-decade-long career of Christian Action Network, and we deal in pro-family, pro-traditional moral issues, and patriotic issues. Well, I appreciate that good work, and uh, that fits in very well with the theme of this program, Core Principles. It's all about things that are true because they are and they don't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, in your article about negative consequences of expressing Christian faith, you say that there are underhanded schemes to drive Christian companies out of business or force them to abandon their Christian principles. Are these schemes coordinated or unorganized? And if they are coordinated, Martin, who is organizing them? Well, you know, I, I'm not sure whether it's coordinated or not. It certainly looks coordinated because it's applied in just about every one of these cases. You know, it used to be that the radical leftists, the atheist groups out there would attack Christians if they were doing something in the so-called public square, such as, you know, putting crosses near government buildings or on government property or a nativity scene or having a scripture on a park bench. Uh, but lately, perhaps for the past uh, five to 10 years, they've been going after Christians for what they say and what they do, even in their own private time. And the strategy in this case, rather than using the Constitution separation of church and state to prevent Christians from exercising their faith, They've been going after what I call the sob story. In other words, your Christian view, your Christian acts, your Christian testimony, your Christian principles is harming somebody else. It's causing them to have hurt feelings. It's causing them in some cases to commit suicide. And when that is put out into the public square, that what a Christian is doing is actually creating this tremendous harm on someone else, the public tends to side with the victim, and they're very good at these sob stories uh, and making it look like, well, you know, this person being of good mental health, of being cheerful is certainly much more important 
than your First Amendment freedoms that you have. And so I listed a number of cases in my Substack article, and there's many more out there uh, that I couldn't fit in or it just would get too long to give examples of how the sob stories are having a great impact. And, and now I think it's a general strategy that they use to shut down Christian faith. You know, here in Virginia last week, a House delegate, her name is Elizabeth Guzman, she promises in the next legislative session to make it a felony or a misdemeanor if you use the wrong, uh, well, not if you use the wrong pronoun, that that's part of it, but it goes even beyond that. If a parent refuses to affirm their child's chosen gender identity. That is incredible and kind of terrifying. And it really does get the government right into the home saying, here's how you must parent and don't you dare uh, apply any principles that they don't want to hear. That That's kind of crazy because then if you say, well, uh, we're going to teach you young children don't steal because we believe God forbids that. Well, all of a sudden now, how dare you parent? You can't be inculcating that view because it has direct relation to your faith. That That's crazy. These sob stories are used not just against Christians, by the way. I want to point that out. It's against all of your constitutional rights and, and your freedoms. You know, Black Lives Matter, during, a couple of years ago, during the famous Chicago riots that did over $60 million in damages and theft, they came out and said, well, what's more important? You know, putting these people in jail or allowing them to get into these stores so they can steal stuff so they can put clothes on their back have shoes on their feet and have food in their stomachs. That to them was more important. The sob story. Let me tell you this story of uh, Valerie Clusterman. Uh, she's a physician assistant at Metropolitan ha uh, Hospital in Michigan. And she was fired from her job because she refused to use transgender pronouns. The hospital staff told her that she was evil. But here's the most important thing. A diversity manager told blamed her for gender dysphoria-related suicides. So basically, what the hospital is telling her, because you will not address a transgender by their chosen pronoun, you are helping them, forcing them to commit suicide. See the sob story here? I understand that yesterday was International Pronoun Day. Now, I don't know when they made that up, but apparently they made it October 20. That's crazy. And of course, uh, they're changeable all the time now according to the folks pushing this so if you want to get somebody in trouble just say like i saw someone on a online video well today i changed my pronouns so everybody that's still calling me they them you're way out of line and you're harming me because now i'm zz and uh you know how can you keep up with that anyway that's ridiculous well, yeah. You can uh, be absolutely abusive with this, correct? Because it's a he said, she said, excuse my lack of using the right pronoun on that one, uh, story. Uh, oh, this person did not use the right pronoun when they were talking to me. And, you know, another case in Wisconsin where three students were charged with a federal crime for using the wrong pronoun in the public schools, charged with the crime. That case was later dropped. But nevertheless, that mother... You know, she received an email from the school principal saying, by the way, we are soon going to be charging your child with sexual harassment. Details will follow. 
And she gets off the phone and, and she's like, worried. what did my son do? Did he rape somebody? Did he molest somebody? And come to find out, he was being charged with using the wrong pronoun and was going to be federally charged. Absolutely crazy, right? Incredible. Well, I want to uh, dive into a few of the cases that you sh- uh, highlight in your Substack article. But uh, the first one uh, you just referenced, uh, it's an older one. I'm sure most of our audience will have heard of Jack the Baker in Colorado. He was targeted for refusing to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. Would you summarize as we get into these kind of cases, what were the sort of civil liberties issues in such a case? You know, they make this up as they go along, but the bottom line is that certain cities, certain states, certain counties, and, you know, depends on where you live, have passed these anti-discrimination laws, which says that if you operate a business that is open to the public, you're not allowed to discriminate against homosexuals. Now, (laughs) what does that mean? And that seems to be what the case is with Jack Phillips out in Colorado. Uh, If a homosexual customer comes into his cake shop, he will serve that homosexual couple or that individual, whatever cake he has on display. But he will not make a certain cake that glorifies either a transgender revealing party or a gay wedding. Now, is that really discriminating against a homosexual or discriminating against a homosexual message? Well, Mr. Phillips has claimed that he's not discriminating against an individual. He will serve that individual. He'll serve that person any cake that he has on display. But he will not make a cake that has a particular message that he feels uncomfortable with or that he feels violates his religious beliefs. And this seems to be the exact same thing that's going on in many of these other cases with if you have a photography studio, such as the woman in New York, a woman in New York has, uh, and she's being, I guess, threatened with a hundred thousand dollar fine, the loss of her business license and even jail time because she is refusing to photograph homosexual weddings. Well, she on her website, will photograph a homosexual. If you want to come in, declare yourself as gay, lesbian, bi- uh, bisexual, transgender, or whatever, and you want her to take uh, your picture, she's glad to do it. But she will not allow herself to be forced into promoting an event that she view- views is a uh, violation of her religious principles. I think that uh, that's a very excellent summary, Martin. And it it's like the difference between a state of being and actions states of being are not moral and ethical considerations for example if someone has the disease of alcoholism and they tend to abuse mind-altering substances the state of being is not a moral question but getting drunk and driving a car and killing somebody that's a moral question because that's an action and in the case of sexual sins those actions are a choice or they're rape so It's definitely a matter of choice, the actions that people choose. And of course, they seek these businesses out to say they're causing me to suffer. Well, you didn't have to go to Jack the Baker for that cake in the first place. There's plenty of people next door that'll make whatever cake you want. You couldn't tell uh, a a Jewish uh, t-shirt maker to 
I force you to make me a shirt with a swastika on it, that would be offensive. You couldn't say, I'm going to go to this Muslim deli and force them to make me a pork sandwich. That would be wrong. That's not on their menu. And I think that the the issue is can be put in terms of what's on your menu. Jack the Baker doesn't make same-sex wedding cakes, so it's not on his menu. If I go to McDonald's and say, I demand you make me a pizza, they're going to say, it's not on our menu. Well, they didn't discriminate against me. They just don't make that product. Right. Well, given your example, you couldn't go to a Muslim bakery and say, hey, I want you to bake a cake that says Jesus is the Lord and Savior of mankind, not Muhammad. So <laughs> they're not going to do it. And more than likely, no one's ever going to take them to court. And if you did try to take them to court, there's probably no city out there like in the Baker case that's going to come to your defense with legal help to present your religious liberty argument to make that statement on a cake to a Muslim baker. So it's all one-sided. We know it's one-sided. It's incredibly how one-sided all of this is happening right now. And, uh, you know, Christians out there need to start standing for their principles and understand that a lot of these individuals facing these incredible, you know, assaults against their religious liberties are having to fund their defense out of their own pockets. There are some Christian liberty legal, legal groups out there. Many of them are very, you know, just great in their legal strategy. But even they only have so many resources when the left, far left is going after so many Christians at one time. So pay attention, understand that if you don't help them now, that means you're not going to have any protection when they come after you. Yes, sir. I'll mention one of those organizations, Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, ADF, they're really good. Um, I was interested in a case, Martin, that you described in Wyoming, uh, where a non-Christian complained that an explicitly Christian ministry had a statement of faith as a requirement for employment. Now, should faith-based organizations be allowed to have statements of faith? I think it's obvious that they should. And uh, should they be allowed to adhere exclusively to their faith? If not, how can the government do that without you know, violating the principles of our founding. Well, first of all, you made an excellent point a few minutes ago that these people are simply targeting Christian businesses and Christian organizations. And the case that you're mentioning, which involves the Wyoming Rescue Mission in Casper, Wyoming, involved an individual who went to the organization's website and read this uh, uh, statement. And it's called uh, Employment for the Rescue Mission. Here's what it says. All employees of the mission must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and subscribe to our statement of faith and ministry principles. They're telling me, woe is me, that I can't have a job there. As if this person really wanted to go to work with a Christian ministry to start with, Right. They didn't want to do that. They just want to make sure that that statement of belief is taken down from their website and force Christian organizations to have to hire non-Christians. Now, as bad, Martin, as the trend has gotten, some are concerned that it could get much worse, even in America. The globalists are pushing what they call the Great Reset, and part of their plan seems to align with what China has, their social credit system, where the central government can readily punish anyone who strays from uh, the state dogma. They got digital identification, digital currency controlled by the central government, and so instantly they can remove a person from the marketplace. So my question to you, Martin, is should we 
in America expect that this is a real threat here that we would go as far as the, the globalists are pushing? Or uh, should we have hope that we're really going to overcome this here in America? <laughs> well, that is a loaded question and hard to answer, uh, you know, real quickly. Uh, but yes, I think we need to worry about it. I think it's already happening in the United States, this sort of social credit score. If you want to do business in certain areas, you got to pass this, you know, uh, litany of things that the woke mob has put out there. And if you don't pass, you don't get to do business with us. You know, Sam Brownback has a organization out there, an international aid organization, I think. I just read the story this morning where uh, Chase Bank, kicked him out of the bank, said, you know, you cannot have an, an account here. But if you do want to get your account restored, we want to see all the donors to your organization. Why does a bank want all your donors? We should ask that question. Who's behind that, really? You know, I surmised today, I wrote a uh, email to our chairman of the board at Christian Action Network and said, who's really behind this? You know, is it really Joe Biden's? Department of Justice putting pressure on to banks saying, look, if you got a controversial, I'm not even sure Sam Brownback's group is controversial, but it is conservative leading. But if you got a controversial conservative group in your bank, kick them out or demand a list of their donors. Because what we want to do after that is take those donors, run them through our database, See if any domestic terrorists, or at least people we are claiming as domestic terrorists, are donating to this organization. And if they are, then that gives us the leverage to shut the organization down by claiming it's a domestic terrorist organization because it has domestic terrorists within its members. I don't know what the bank wants. I'm just surmising here. But is it really all that crazy? You know, the Department of Justice, is it crazy that they are saying that moms and dads out there are domestic terrorists because they attend school board meetings and they're very vocal when they attend? Well, that sounds crazy, but they're doing it. So is it any more crazy that the Biden administration wants to know who's donating to these conservative groups and what their end goal would be if they find out? Uh, it's very difficult to find out why the bank would want to know who the donors are. The bank doesn't have to say. Now, Sam Brownback could possibly sue the bank to try to get that information to see, well, who's really behind this? But more than likely, a court will dismiss his lawsuit if he tries. You never know. But hey, if I was Sam Brownback, I certainly would file it, you know, put it on a court, dismiss my case, but I'm going to take it that far. If you're asking for my donors to do, to do business with you, I want to know why you want those donors and who puts you up to it. Let me see the emails that happened between Chase and the Biden administration. I want to see those emails. Are they the ones that are pressuring you? Because if that's the case, that's illegal. Yes, and it is not far-fetched at all because we already have discovered that the current administration has pressured organizations like Facebook and Twitter to censor content that they don't want. Now, there's been this argument about Section 230 protection of uh, the uh, Facebook, the social media people. President Trump was on a path to say, if you want that protection, you can't be censoring people. Uh, the phone company doesn't get to shut you down because you say on the phone, hey, I'm going to vote for this candidate that they don't like. 
And so Facebook and Twitter, you can't do that either. But when you get the federal government saying, would you please flag all this stuff that we don't want people to believe, that's absolutely First Amendment violation. So uh, it's not far-fetched at all that this current administration would do these things. It has been their inclination to silence people. They put in, they quickly got rid of it because it was too outrageous, a disinformation board in Homeland Security saying, if you say, for example, the messenger RNA shot has uh, side effects that they didn't tell us, boom, you're going to be shut down for disinformation. I mean, don't you dare talk about what we don't want you to talk about. So yes, it can happen here, listeners. And so I want to ask you the final question, Martin. What are our best peaceful, lawful courses of action to fight against such oppression? All right. So I get asked this question a lot, and I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Get that? Against the rulers, against the authorities. Isn't that what's happening right now? Against rulers and authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, thir verse 13 is the solution. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when that evil day comes, and it looks like it's here, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So what the Bible tells us is to stand our ground against the rulers, against the authorities, against the evil spiritual forces that are working them as puppets in the background. Now, some of these people, as we talked about earlier on this show, are standing their ground. They're refusing to use transgender pronouns. They're refusing to photograph same-sex weddings. They are refusing to take down scripture on their website, which is uh, one of the cases we didn't get a chance to talk about, but was in my Substack article. They're standing their ground. And that's what the Bible tells us. Now, if we all stand our ground and support each other, then I think we have a chance for some victory here. But if we cave because we're afraid we're going to get fired or we're going to get fined or we're going to have to attend a sensitivity training class, or that we possibly could go to jail, as some of these are being threatened with, then we will lose. So, follow the Bible. It's right there. Put on the full armor of God. Read it. I actually have a book out called You Are Chosen. Go to Amazon, punch it in, You Are Chosen. And it tells Christians, it helps Christians to understand what we are required to do during this age we're living in and what we can do to protect ourselves. I just encourage everybody to get the book. I don't make a dime on it, so just just get it. Enlighten yourself, pass it around. Make sure other people read it. Well, amen, and thank you for that, Martin. And you've reminded me also of something from Revelation where the Scripture talks about who's going to be cast into the burning lake of fire. And a lot of us didn't recognize the first group of people before the murderers and the usual cast of characters are cowards. We are called upon to be brave, to have courage, rely on God's strength, not our own, and we can do this. So thank you so much for joining me, Martin Moyer. God bless you. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Have me back on. Be excited to talk with you and your viewers and listeners again. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. 
Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find her music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information and please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.